Hi everyone, welcome back to Chat Shit Get Fit and welcome back to Is It Bad For You? This is a series where we explore numerous things in the health and fitness industry, looking at the science and diving into our own thoughts to come to a pretty solid conclusion as to if something is indeed bad for you. This week we explore whether or not being an inactive slash sedentary individual is bad for you, even if on the surface you appear to look pretty healthy and we split this episode into two parts, with the first being us bombarding you with some info slash data on why the whole issue of being inactive is actually a big issue and why it's in your best interest to follow the activity guidelines of which we do go into. In the second half, we then give you our advice on what to do and why it's not as hard as you think to hit the guidelines and the sorts of things you could be doing to make it more enjoyable and allow you to be consistent. And no, it's not doing 10,000 steps every single day, something else we take a closer look at too. So lots to take away this week, let's get into it. Good evening, Tom. Good evening, Bill. How are we doing? I'm great, mate. Um, it's uh, just us this week, Tom. Just us. It mate. is just us this week. It is really, really I feel lost. weird. I don't um, know what's going on. We did try to get the Queen on, but apparently she's she's busy today. So yeah. you know, fuck her. You know what I mean? She should have a Thursday evening. She'd be free for the chat. She yeah. can get for the podcast. But no, it's uh, you know, been a while actually. It's just been just us two. Last few weeks, it's been four or five weeks in a row now. We've had a guest on. I know it's been mad, ain't it? it actually, yeah. it's, it seems quiet. Yeah, it does. It's like there's not it a seems voice. quiet. It does seem quiet. I mean, we've been on other people's podcasts as well, which was weird. I know, yeah. That was, that was an experience. It? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you lost your, that was your first one, wasn't it? You uh, lost it was, cherry. I popped, popped my cherry. I was exactly the same on that as I am here. I decided to sabotage everything and go off the rails. <laughs> Derailed that podcast as well. <laughs> as, I, as I do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Um, but yeah, so... We are finally back with another episode of Is It Bad For You? Because I'm aware it's been about four or five weeks since we've been in this series. So we are back with it. Um, and we are tackling a... Patriotism. So if you didn't get our reference earlier on about, you know, the Queen not being able to make it, we're being satirical because it is the Queen's Jubilee today. It is. The 70th. Uh, so that was the satirical joke we was thrown in there. And, um, and we were yeah, discussing is patriotism been, uh, bad for you? Is that what, is that what we're discussing now, is it? it yeah, I forgot where I was going with this, but yeah, I, t- I tell you what, mate. One thing I've got, to, I've got to add in here, and you probably saw me ranting about it a little bit on my social media. But the one thing about this jubilee, it's revealed the amount of people who don't realise that there is a right way up for the Union Jack. Yeah, you said this. I remember you posting this. Yeah, there's a right way, isn't there? The amount of people that have been flying their flag upside down, and I don't think they're aware that by flying your nation's flag upside down, it usually means it's a distress signal. <laughs> it's true yeah if you actually fly the flag upside down you're flying it as a distress signal but being the critical thinker and very humble person that i am i realize maybe they generally are in distress who knows who knows maybe they are generally in distress mate maybe they are trapped at home not moving in chronic pain Metabolic conditions. Do you see how I'm, I'm? I'm very easily managing to transition this into the actual topic of today's podcast, I, I almost did, seamlessly. I, I feel like the reason they probably just done it is because it's a very easy mistake to make compared to other flags where upside down it's pretty obvious. Mm. Our flag of the United Kingdom or, is a little bit, or, uh, or more realistically, they're all communists. Or maybe, if I bring this uh, onto uh, today's topic, maybe they realise their mistake, but they're just too sedentary to give a fuck. <laughs> they've just left it. They've just left it. 
<laughs> they just can't be able to go and do it again. Well played, Bill. Well yeah. played. Back into, <laughs> so this week's episode of <laughs> Is It Bad For You? Uh, we're, we're talking about, is it bad to be a sedentary individual or another way of putting it is someone who doesn't really do any activity, someone who's inactive, basically. Um, yeah. You know what? We'll just dive straight into the polls. Before we get into the bulk of episode, we'll dive into the polls. Pretty simple polls this week. We asked uh, one question and then... Ask what people did. Now, Tom, you're going to have to get involved in, mate, because one of your clients has asked for your for your aid in this one. So I asked, how many days are you active in a week? Option one was zero days. Option two was one to two days. Then we had three to four days, and then we had five days plus. Now, Tom, what do you think our gloriously powerful, super-duper athlete listeners said? Joe, you know what? Now, to finish, me and you... In our minds, we kind of already know what the kind of guidelines are for being considered active or mm-hmm. being considered the opposite, sedentary. Our listeners might find think it's a bit subjective. There are actual guidelines of what clarifies, what quantifies as being sedentary or active or very active, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But our, I don't know, I think our listeners might think we're just talking about it from a subjective point of view. So, if I had to take a guess, I'm going to say three. And I don't think they generally mean, oh, they're active like, you know, three days a week. I think that they just thought, we're going to meet you in the middle here, Bill. And we're going to negotiate with you and choose the middle negotiate number with me. three. Well, actually, <laughs> mate, it turns out we've got a uh, we've got a listener base of absolute athletes because majority of them, 77%, said five days plus. That's how much they do. Jesus, that's your lot. That's your CrossFit uh, lot. I don't blame me, mate. It's not, it's not just my lot. Um, and then we have 15% for three to four days and then 8% for one to two days. And obviously no no, no one no one in zero days, which doesn't surprise me because if you listen to a fitness podcast, I'm going to take a wild stab in the dark. You might dabble in a day or two here of activity. Yeah. And as we're coming to later on, we'll, dis- we'll discuss what activity actually is because walking up and down your stairs... Could that could be activity? It depends how many times you do it. But if you're just doing it once a day, mm. it's probably it's probably not activity. But um, could you turn that into an emom? Hundred percent, you could turn it into an emom. Are you running up stairs, emom? Is that something we'll see in a CrossFit Games 2023? No, they've actually gone upstairs. You you, you joke. There's, there's been a workout. They had to run upstairs. Get fucked. Yeah, they they they, they um they normally do competitions in the arena, don't they? And the arena's got stairs to get up the stadium, so they had to run upstairs and drop off some sandbag things. Wow. If we move on to the uh, next question, Tom. So. It was all good and well known. These people, you know, they they said to us they do five days plus. But what I wanted to know is what type of activity do they do? This is where we're going to get to the yeah. meeting bones of it. Uh, we've got a few responses here. The first response which came in almost instantly was from none other than one of the hosts of this podcast, listeners. Um, Tom, what did you say? What did you send in? Fuck! What have I said now? Because I always I always send something and I forget what I've sent. So you said gaslighting and bullying mostly. <laughs> did, did I say that? Fucking hell. You did, mate. Yeah, apparently you did, yeah. Shit. Uh, well, bullying could be physical. It can be physical, you're right. Yeah, yeah it can be. And I'm sure you can rate on an RPE scale, you know, so you can have some high intensity bullying. Moving on, um, before Tom cancels himself on yeah. the podcast, <laughs> uh, we got. Oh, I've got to do, I've got to, I've got to do the action for this next one because uh, they put the emoji in. So they do CrossFit. Okie dokie. Yeah. Is that arms. a real thing, by the way? Do you, is that a real thing, the whole crossing the arm? Well, you're, 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 obviously, you're obviously not in the know, mate. If you know, you know. Like the secret handshake. That's all I'm saying, mate. Well, secret handshake, well. Pff. Most gyms, they have like, you know, a pin-in system or a reception area, you know, or a QR scanner to get into the gym. But with CrossFit, you know, it's it's giving it the secret hand sign, like a GAN. 
like Bloods and Crips. There are CrossFits out there, mate. Um, I won't go into it because it's a super secret, but there are CrossFits out there who it is a requirement to do a secret handshake before you begin the art of CrossFit. And that's all I'm uh-huh. going to say. If you know, you know, but we'll move on. Uh, mm. They also said yoga and running. So CrossFit yoga and running. Okay. This person's also a vegan, so they are literally a walking buzzword. Um, <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. I love it. Ironically, I fit in the exact same category, so we'll, we'll move it there. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> the next one. That is true. <laughs> um, oh, this next one's fantastic. Uh, this is actually, this is from uh, Pete, one of our patrons, and he's just said, and he said, he just sends it. I just send it. That's all he does. <laughs> he just sends it. Brilliant. Love it, Pete. Fantastic. Brilliant. Yeah. No nonsense there. Yeah, just, no nonsense. Just he just sends it. it. Yeah, just uh, he's probably in the yeah. extremely vigorous uh, category of the uh, uh, the activity requirements. Three sets of just send it. <laughs> yeah, three sets. Yeah, just send it. What, what we're doing? Yeah, send it. At RPE uh, full send. This next one, gym, three times a week, then run around three to four times a week. Tom will know. So Tom, tell us, what, what, is, what does Fern do? Oh, yes. What, what is well, she goes to gym and she runs three to four times a week. Yeah, what does she actually do? To, we, we, we want to get into the details. What sort of activity is she doing? Well, we lift up heavy fins and put them back down again. Right. Uh, every now and again, I'll kill her on the rowing machine when we do our yep. two kilometres. And uh, do you know what? Sometimes we even do a little bit of a bleep on a 10-metre track. Ooh. Nice. Yeah. A couple of shuttle runs just because um, Fern has to learn how to hate herself when she eventually joins the army. <laughs> learn to hate herself. <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> uh, w- She'll find out. <laughs> Yeah, we'll leave it there. Uh, we've then got lifting and CrossFit style workouts, uh, strength training, LPP and cardio, plus mega active job. Yeah, that's uh, that's from Sam there. I think he's a paramedic. So yeah, pretty active yeah. job there. So his activity levels will be uh, sky high. Uh, and then this next one, uh, this is cracking this, walk dogs, lift weights and dabble occasionally on a ski erg. I mean, clean. I wouldn't say breaking world records is dabbling on a ski erg, if I'm being honest. Is it weird that I actually knew who you was talking about before you even mentioned the ski erg? Oh, really? Just just from <laughs> yeah. walk dogs and lift weights, yeah. Oh, good old clean. Love one of our patrons. Good thing about dogs is that they do force your activity levels to go up. They do, yeah. We actually have to walk Unless them, you're they? negligent, yeah. Yeah, unless you ne- neglect your dogs, yeah. Yeah, yeah so they were, they were the responses there we got in. Um, so thanks for those. So now, obviously, most of you out there listening potentially are pretty active. And from the people who got involved in that poll, you do sound pretty active. But there is an issue worldwide. It's not just, you know, here in the UK or me and Tom are from. Uh, it is a worldwide issue of people being sedentary uh, and inactive. Yeah. Um, so we're really going to why is this a thing. So if we look at it on a surface level, there's going to be people out there who potentially look slim, who they look at themselves and think, oh, I look relatively healthy. I look okay. Mm. Um, so no, no cause for concern. Um, and then you may look at someone larger than life, for example, someone who, you know, maybe you would look at them and think they're overweight, but they could be exercising five times a week. Yeah. But you would assume the person who's slim is healthier. And that person might mm. think the same. They might think, oh, I'm slim, I'm fine, I'm healthy. Um, and we actually just speak about this topic in depth. I can't actually remember. That was literally, I think, episode two. It's episode three. Was it the third episode? It was, like, it was our third ever episode of the podcast, which was, must be about two years ago now, wasn't it? Just on, just on yeah. the series, maybe. So that, if you want to go listen to that one, uh, go listen to it. I think it was, what was it called? It was Fat But Fit or Slim and Sedentary. Slim and Sedentary, something yeah. along those lines. Yeah, something like that. But basically, we came down to the conclusion that, you know, aesthetics do not equal health. I'm not saying that there's no risk factor. No, no. You know, either side of the spectrum there. Mm-hmm. But it's not to be all end all. 
In fact, over the past couple of years, there's been a bigger push for kind of like weight neutral approaches for improving your health. Yeah, sure. Um, if we actually look at some data on this as well, so we've got something from Piercy 2018. Um, these stats are actually quite staggering. This is from the US, uh, by the way. So only 26% of men, 19% of women, and 20% of adolescents in the US meet current physical activity guidelines. Um, and it also appears, according to this data, that many healthcare professionals are unaware of the actual guidelines. Yes. Which is, um, yes. Which is even more worrying. Uh, we are going to go into these guidelines, don't worry, we won't go into it now, but just remember them figures. That is quite a lot less than half. It's about a quarter, isn't it? quarter of men uh, and less than a quarter of women and adolescents are meeting the physical activity guidelines we're going to go into those you'd be surprised i think at how much you could probably do and be all right yeah but yeah apparently it's still too much for some people and we're going to come into maybe why that is as well and um, we've also got this is a huge paper this is outrageous we've got an enormous paper from 2019 here muscle strengthening aerobic exercise and obesity a pulled analysis of 1.7 million us adults um so this looks at individuals who basically met both the aerobic and the resistance training portions of the guidelines okay because they are spent into different aerobic and resistance training um, and those who met both sets of guidelines so both the aerobic and the resistance they had better health outcomes across a range of conditions including obesity high blood pressure diabetes and there was loads of other stuff as well so yeah on a paper of that size we're seeing there is you know a good reason to uh, yeah. meet the guidelines that we're going to go on to but as we spoke about Piercy uh, 2018 it's not really happening no We've also got another one here. Don't worry, guys. We're not going to go too much into paper. Well, actually, there's quite a lot of papers in this, but we're just trying to give you some context now to why this is a problem before we go into Because if, if I didn't make it yeah. clear in the intro, the second part of this episode will basically be us trying to help you navigate this world to help you get more active, but we're just trying to give you some context of why it's a problem and why we need to do it. I don't want people to kind of think that a lot of like uh, what we're saying here, we're just kind of pulling out of our arse. There is actually quite a lot of data and it's not just pulled just from the US, by the way. I mean, what you just mentioned, yeah, it was a US study, but we've actually got reviews that where they've done studies in like different countries all over the world and uh mm. yeah we do actually have evidence in regards to the numbers we're pulling out here you know this isn't just like hearsay i'm just giving you a paper there i give you two there one which showed you that there was a, a low amount of people actually meeting the guidelines and another one there showing you that those who did meet both the aerobic and the resistance training guidelines had better health outcomes i'm now going to give you a paper which looks at a potential reason of why people are failing to meet these. So this was a 2017 paper and it was factors associated with yeah. participation in resistance training, a systematic review. Now this explores something a lot Tom likes to dive into and that's behavior change. I've got a quote here and I'll let uh, Tom maybe give his thoughts as well because I know he's, he's mm. all over this. So they kind of said low education levels and poor health status were associated with lower participation rates in RT, resistance training. Intrapersonal mm. factors, including effective judgments, self-efficacy and self-regulation behaviours and interpersonal factors, including subjective norms and programme leadership, may be important for promoting resistance training behaviours. Mm. I mean, that actual paper... I have printed off at my desk at work and the amount of paragraphs, it's, it's a really good paper, by the way, and obviously it'll be linked in the show notes, but it's, yeah, Rose 2017. The amount of paragraphs I have highlighted in that particular print off is is staggering. And it does give an insight into, because the thing is like me and you, like straight away, we're biased towards, you know, physical activity, particularly resistance training. But to me, look at that paper, it kind of took me out of my my bias and look at it from the point of view of, okay, let's just say I'm, I'm just a regular Joe who has never been to gym. What is it that keeps people one, not taking part in resistance training and then two, of course, actually taking part. 
And yeah, self-efficacy was one of the biggest ones. That is the confidence in, in your ability to, to do something. And this is one of the reasons why we try to promote a lot of movement optimism. Mm-hmm. So in regards to the field of exercise, health and fitness, I think there's way too much focus on, oh, you, you can exercise, but you have to make sure you have to make sure you're doing it right. You have to be doing it right. You you have to be doing it with perfect form. Oh, steady state running. No, 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 don't do steady state running. It's either sprinting because steady state running is useless or or don't run at all because it's bad for your joints, etc. It has to be the right form of exercise. This takes away the self-efficacy for a lot of people because straight away you're creating like a fear behind exercise. It's one of the reasons why I am trying my fucking best to try and be a bit more optimistic in regards to getting people to move and saying, look, it's okay to be shit at first, mm-hmm. you know, and it's okay to move. Guess what? Despite what whatever fucking wanker on social media is saying, oh, don't take part in spin classes because spin classes, like, what's the point of being on a bike when you're just going to motorway instead and fucking ride into traffic there? You know, if it's movement and you enjoy it and you're going to increase your self-efficacy because you enjoy doing that particular exercise, then do it. And in particular, if you're a personal trainer that keeps creating fear-mongering or shame against particular forms of exercise, um, actually, in hindsight, feel free to go and ride in traffic. Right, <laughs> <laughs> well, finish that with a bit of a bombshell. I mean, you're 100 percent right what you're saying there, and I think a lot of it is, this is this is what frustrates me when you go not even just personal training because I don't think personal trainers use this uh, narrative as much, but people who are maybe in better health, they're more privileged, they you know live in a pretty comfortable life. They'll look at others and they'll go, why yes. are they not just moving more? Why don't they just move more? Why don't they just go to the gym? Why are they you know are oh, they you know why are they they're in hospital because they're ill all the time? It's maybe because they're not exercising. It's like it's not as simple as just telling someone to go exercise or go do this, go move more. Like it, that paper. Mm. It said, Tom said, go have a look at it because honestly, there's a lot of stuff in there. And it basically just comes down to being a decent human being and being empathetic for people and understanding that there are barriers. Yeah. And by you saying, oh, just fucking move more. Oh, cheers. Thanks. Yeah. Nice one. And be willing to understand that when it comes to just general movement for the sake of health and not very specific goals like improving your deadlift, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Just because yeah. you don't like spin classes or you don't like hit because it's now part of your personality to, I don't know, insult Joe Wicks every week. Who gives a shit? If that person enjoys it, it's what keeps them moving and meeting the required uh, physical activity guidelines throughout the week, crack on and you should be supporting that. Mm-hmm. But one thing I want to say, Bill, is like, in regards to that paper, that's obviously to do with resistance training. That's to do with resistance training. When you... Uh, do you personally think, like, when people straight away think about doing physical activity to improve their health, that they have an automatic thought process where they think, oh, they mean running, walking and cardiovascular activity Mm. rather than actual resistance training. Because I think there's a bias towards people straight away thinking exercise for my health, oh, it's more about cardio than resistance training. So I think, yeah, I think you're understand right. People always think of cardio. They think of steps, especially when it comes to things like weight loss. When you think of weight loss, what do people think of? Cardio. Oh, I need to just do more cardio. It's kind of something I want to chew up and do more cardio. Oh, I want to get a bit more health there. I'll do my 10,000 steps today, which we are. Don't worry, we're going to come to steps later in the episode. But it, it, people go straight to go straight to cardio. Um, and as sure as me and Tom will come into later and we give sort of our, our action points, maybe. Resistance training is one of our biggest recommendations, I think, in terms of, in terms of health. But as that paper goes into and as Tom alluded to there's a lot of there's more barriers I think when it comes to resistance training as opposed to cardio because cardio is normally what go for a walk go for a jog get on a spin bike resistance training you've got to pick up big scary metal plates and big kettlebells which you haven't got a level 14 in 
this qualification, you're allowed to lift it without killing you. Know, there's a lot more to it, basically. Um, so if we also look at pain then, so as you know here guys, here at Chat Shit Get Fit, we get a hard-on for uh, for pain science. So um, <laughs> we're going back at it. You might you might have heard this phrase. Uh, it's something I've seen in this quite a few times. It's that sitting is the new smoking. Um, well, it's a, it's a pretty stupid fucking statement anyway. I won't go into it too much, but I just wanted to mention that because something you might have seen before. Uh, and it's not even close to the, to the same level of danger, but you know, alas, we live in a society. Uh, but in terms of sitting, which is normally the thing which people go into, this is something that links to back pain. So specifically yeah. lower back pain. Tom, what have you seen in this? I know you've looked into this quite a lot in terms of the pain science behind it, i.e. being sedentary sitting a lot and links to pain. I mean, there is, you, you go into PubMed and you just type in, you know, sitting. <laughs> low, low back pain and sedentary and straight away like you are bombarded with papers i mean just to give you a couple of citations so yeah i've got one paper here uh, sedentary lifestyle and non-specific low back pain in medical personnel in northeast poland and they basically concluded that a sedentary lifestyle significantly increased the instance of reoccurring low back pain whilst increased physical activity had a significant effect on the presence of chronic low back pain now just to clarify this is non-specific low back pain so what it basically means is that there's no pathological reason for it yet in the sense that like there's no tissue damage you know there's no kind of disc herniations you've not fell off a horse or you know had a car crash or something where there's actual physical trauma non-specific is like it's just shit happens basically um but there's another one as well actually and this kind of goes in regards to yeah, like sitting down etc and that is adaptational responses of the human achilles tendon by modulation of the applied cyclic strain magnitude wow what a mouthful there <laughs> but basically this goes into have you ever heard of the move it or lose it kind of like principle yes i've heard yeah I've yeah heard mm. i mean the same goes for things like tendons at the end of the day where like if you're not kind of like <laughs> if you're not progressively loading yourself you know you kind of will lose any strength you kind of gain from it but also like if you don't actually load or stress yourself because the thing like when people think of the word oh stress straight away they think it's a bad word uh when we think about physiology you know if you place stress on yourself as long as it's dosed properly you're actually going to build your capacity and this goes to things like tendons etc so yeah in regards to things like tendonitis or sorry tendinopathy they prefer to say now a lot of these pain science gurus kind of being sedentary particularly when you're not doing things like resistance training or something like running etc you know you will kind of lose that tendon stiffness um another thing to take into account this kind of goes with like when you're kind of sitting down all day etc because i know like sitting has been demonized for mm. donkeys now it's not like there's anything inherently wrong with staying sat down, but it's just when it's done for long periods of time. Well, we've spoken before about standing up for long yeah. periods of time, yeah. you know, and then sitting for long periods of time. Um, now, in the context of pain, so this isn't about anything like metabolic markers, like when we talk about health, like things like diabetes and stuff like that, or even things like obesity, etc. But in the context of pain, if you're sat down in one position for a very long time, when you do eventually decide to move, it's something you're not as used to. That makes sense. You know, it can it can make you more vigilant. It can also make you a bit more hypersensitive as well to pain, etc. Because you're so used to sitting all the time, it can just simply be uncomfortable. 
Um, but I mean, another. I have got like a bit of practical application on what to do if you are at an office, you know, in like stuck to a chair for like hours on end. But I think we'll kind of save that towards the end so that way people have little chunks they can take away at the end of the podcast. But yeah, I mean, to put it bluntly, being sedentary can increase your like your perception to pain. You know, it can create more hypervigilance. It can create a bit more, you know, fear when you do eventually start moving because it's something you're not quite used to, etc. Basically, you you need to build your capacity to be able to deal with things like pain, etc. I mean, anecdotally, since I got my management role, I do a lot more sitting than what I've ever been used to. Yeah, in I my, now, yeah. In my 34 years of life, this is the most I've ever sat in the past year. And I have to be honest, um, I do get a little bit of low back pain flare-ups every now and again. Mm. My tolerance for pain has become less, you know, over the past year. And I do put a lot of that down to my job becoming a little bit more sedentary. But um, yeah, as I said, like we'll, we'll throw something at the end where you've actually got an application, some applicable advice. Yeah. You can take I think just to add on, add on to your point there, I'm the same, mate. Like since I left the army there, I was doing a lot more <laughs> yeah. walking. Whereas now I'm just literally because I do a lot of editing and like content stuff on my laptop. I'm just at my desk <laughs> you, a lot of the time. You were in clip, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so you know you get these little, you notice these little aches and pains. Oh, bloody, it's a bit of an aching pain. So I make it a bit more of an effort to try and get up. But it's kind of yeah, it's it's interesting. You're it's mainly because you're in the same position for a long period of time. And do you know what I find myself doing as well. And I do it a lot on the podcast as well. Before when I used to be on my feet constantly, if I used to sit down for however long, I would just sit down and that would be it. Now that I'm sitting down for longer periods of time, I feel like I'm having to constantly shuffle myself in my seat. Yeah, that's what I do, yeah. Due to kind of like trying to like change positions because I'm mean like having a bit of ache in my coccyx, you know etc. Your best posture is your next posture, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. It is exactly that though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is, it is that, exactly yeah. that. So yeah, a lot of shuffling around. Yeah. <laughs> so guys, we've also got some data here referencing getting old. Now this is actually really interesting because it's uh it kind of goes against a lot of things people say i mean i've said this sort of stuff gone down these lines before and it's a study it'll be linked to the show notes as well if you have a closer look it basically contradicts the common observation that uh, muscle mass and strength decline as a function of aging alone mm. so as you get older literally it's just aging that causes it um and instead they're basically trying to say that these declines it may be a signal the effect of chronic disuse rather than muscle aging so what they're basically saying is is that they're going against the narrative, mm. oh, I'm just getting old, it's part and parcel, um, I'm going to get weaker, I'm going to lose strength, I'm going to lose muscle. I mean, we have actually done an episode on this before as well, haven't we? Mm-hmm. About yeah, we age being a factor. Yeah. And uh, the key term is sarcopenia. Yeah, sarcopenia, exactly that, yeah. I did a I did a video on this recently, actually, uh, on the Train Primal YouTube. I'll link that down below as well. It's actually a pretty good video. That popped up on my feed today, funny enough. I did it. Yeah, I, hope you I, was watching, to, I was trying to find one of my playlists, and uh, I saw I saw, I saw your uh, yeah, getting old one. <laughs> yeah, it keeps real. happening. You keep popping up on my feed. It keeps putting me off. <laughs> oh, good. Mate. It's either you as a Spartan, or you know, <laughs> you as an old man. <laughs> yeah, I was getting older. I was part of the video, uh, but that video I do talk about this as well, uh, and this is actually really important because the reason they came to this conclusion that it, it's made it could be down more to chronic disuse rather than just simply getting old um, is because they looked at masters athletes because if they if you look at a lot of previous papers that look on this they normally look at muscle loss in sedentary aging mm. adults so people aren't actually doing anything it's like okay so they just assumed that it was part of getting old but when they found they looked at these masters athletes was that they were fine i mean obviously you have to there's a few little uh, nuances you have to look into in the context but 
they found that it probably is instead of it was being because they're getting older because these master athletes weren't they they weren't losing they weren't losing muscle and strength much like those and that's because they were basically kept training they were still participating in activity um do you know what there is a study out there i can't i've tried my best to find it but i can't remember the bloody title of it but you can you can google a picture of it and there's actually like an mri scan comparison of uh, like a 74 year old man it's of his legs it's of his contraceptive it's of his quads so it's a comparison of like a 74 year old sedentary man and then a 70 year old triathlete and the difference is remarkable so with like the the 74 year old sedentary man you can see there's very little muscle mass and the most just like kind of like adipose like fatty tissue and the 70 year old triathlete his quads are fucking like his muscle mass is insane it is insane it's a really cool picture and i'll probably be able to like take it in the show notes somehow yeah sure i mean it, I, I think it kind of this is kind of just echoes what some of the stuff we were saying in that podcast episode you back don't then. use it you lose it yeah it was that <laughs> yeah earlier. yeah as we said earlier as well and in the video i did it was you kind of you want to keep your activity up basically I, you shouldn't you shouldn't accept this whole narrative oh i'm getting old it's part and parcel of getting mm. old you know it's just oh because you hear it all the time don't you when people have things got aches and little things and they're getting old oh it's because i'm old now so like, mm, don't don't have that acceptance in your in your life yeah you know, it doesn't have to be that's, that way <laughs> that's not to say that life doesn't get harder in general which means yeah, I mean, it can, as you said you know, psychopenia is a thing that's like a legit thing yeah <laughs> exactly and uh you know like as we get old we tend to get more responsibilities there's more life stresses which means that activity might lower lower a little bit but it's not a foregone conclusion no that, that no matter what you are going to just waste away no matter what no no if you keep up your activity you can have better quads than me apparently according to this uh, mri <laughs> yeah exactly and i said in that video i did i had a lady called jane come on uh, and she spoke for a bit and she's she's someone who goes to that mm. the crossfit gym yes. like a coach at, and she's an awesome athlete uh and she uh, if you want to watch that video you can hear her thoughts but she's another example of she went through loads. She's going through loads in terms of, you know, being a woman as well, because there are differences as well between men and women as you yeah. get older. Um, and she's an example of what you can do. So it shouldn't be part and parcel, but as we are, we're not saying there's there's no reason why your activity won't lower as you get older, but you shouldn't accept it. Yeah. That's the one takeaway. Don't accept getting old as a reason to uh, knock activity on the head. If anything, you actually want to maintain or increase it because at the end of the day, you want to kind of like, reduce that frailty okay guys so we've banged on about guidelines quite a few times now um what we're going to do is we're going to look at what the world health organization says in regards to exercise recommendations okay uh, to make it a bit more broad for for a global audience now we're only going to look at 18 to 64 because that's basically the majority of our audience and we'll be here ages reading out guidelines otherwise yeah. but in the show notes there will be a link to the recommendations of force you'll get them for adolescents or people who are 65 and older yeah. also uh pregnancy uh, and no, Preg- sorry, yeah. postpartum postpartum yeah as well that's on there that's on there as well so really so Did go you check say out post-mortem then no postpartum don't put postmortem. No, i was gonna say the activity guidelines <laughs> for postmortem would be quite difficult <laughs> 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 unless it's just a very long pra- uh, plank yeah corpse in pose. a coffin sort of did that yeah. we had that corpse yeah. pose I-, I did i did yeah the mcgill special <laughs> the McGill special where they place uh, your cadaver into a machine and just flexes you back and forth over and over again oh mate that reminds me hold on wait there wait there where's my phone oh god is no that... oh no, it's not a pig I'll... spine is it oh, I've lost my phone where's my phone gone no it's alright I'll be safe you're a vegan no it's... oh, oh god it's not the spine of a corn on the cob is it so what, I've, what <laughs> I was do... fuck's sake so earlier 
the other day I was looking at our, uh, you know, I was getting those Riverside archive things up from our uh, some of our old podcast pictures. So I was looking at them and I found basically when we do these uh, recordings, what happens is it will f- it will pick up on certain words and it will pick out what they think is I don't know like a buzzword <laughs> or a bit you'd want to use in a clip. And what they actually <laughs> and what they actually found was you know when we spoke to um, Alexis from No Bullshit Physio. Okay, Tom. So these are the three things that were found when we had our chat with Alexis from No Bullshit Physios. Apparently, Riverside thinks these are our three biggest talking points that we'd want to share to a social media uh, audience. So we had McGill and the pig spine. <laughs> yep. Yeah, classic. <laughs> That's not a surprise at all. <laughs> this guy was shot during an interview. I have... That is a surprise because I can't remember that. I don't remember how... what context <laughs> is that in. I mean, this kind of links back to when we was on the Art of Performance podcast, but I'll go into more about that in a bit. Uh, and then the other one was, I'll be honest, I don't know. That's <laughs> not great. <laughs> no, that is some serious critical thinking yeah. that we just basically say, well, we don't know. We don't but know. yeah, I mean, um, after we was on the Art of Performance podcast, I can imagine some of the weird things that was pulled up on that, like the top three things. So that about, you know, shot during an interview, uh, it might got flagged about my comments about John Lennon getting shot. Oh, did it? I don't know. I'm, I'm just speculating. And God knows no, what else no, I might have no, said. No, because we got cut off, didn't we? Do you remember the end of that podcast? We, we we got so rogue. You got so out of control, they actually started to shut the episode down. Don't you remember? Oh, really? Oh, fucking hell. Well, there you go. There you no, go. Don't you remember, though? Big, don't you remember? Big we... government has censored me. Oh, no, because you were... Go- oh, didn't you get a bit noncy? No, no, no. Wait, hang a minute. <laughs> if, if you've not had that episode yet, guys, go I didn't get noncy. Would you not... Uh, was I cut off? Because if that's the case, I'm gonna to have to explain you it right cu- now. You weren't cut off, but you, did you not hit? Did you not notice how quickly things got wrapped up after you started saying that? Um, oh no, I did notice nonce? that. David Bowie. You said uh, David Bowie was I, a nonce. I called David Bowie a nonce, and uh, I'm not saying. Well, I might have been saying that John Lennon getting shot might have been justified, but I, I don't know. I don't know. We might have to edit this out of our own podcast. To be fair, no, didn't you? Say, no, I thought you because no, we were talking about the context of people listening, like to. Uh, they looked up to certain people and they're like, you know, gospel and like godlike. Yeah. And all they said, and all you said was, yeah, someone people looked at John Lennon, but he used to beat his wife or so, or beat his girlfriend. And then you said, yeah, exactly. David Bowie he used to, you know, he had a 15 year old girlfriend. <laughs> and then he fell onto a 38 caliber. <laughs> you know, shit happens. Reap what you sow and all that. I have absolutely no idea where we are on this podcast now. Me neither. What the fuck are we talking about? Right. I the think the physical guidelines, guidelines guys, are getting shot. Back, we're back in the room here. If you're still with us, fantastic, brilliant. We'll get into the guidelines. So, mm. do you say physical guidelines are getting shot? Yeah, that is true about David Bowie, by the way. Google it. Yeah. Um, so, who recommendations? Great music, That's, though. What the who? The who? Well, yeah. Why did Pete Townsend? He was a nonce. Oh, for God's Their sake. guitarist was a nonce. Was he? Google that as well. Yeah. There you go. For fuck's sake. I know. I've basically just annihilated the British music industry but he just nonced the British music industry <laughs> yeah I don't know if John Lennon was a nonce he was just a very unpleasant man I don't know if he was a nonce or not though could be potentially who knows anyway let's, um, let's move this on so The Who recommendations for activity adults 18 to 64. And I bet with me, guys, I was going to read these out for you. Oh, that's who? That, did you not get my joke? Oh, fucking hell, Tom. How slow are you? Oh, Jesus Christ, but he's been genuine. <laughs> no, I was, no, I was on about the right, fuck. Quick, I was on about the... get back in the room. <laughs> it's you think about nonsense again. Let's be talking about the you know, harmless little band. 
But it looks like I've just uncovered another. Out of this, Pete Townsend was a nonce, but carry on. Yeah, carry on. Anyway, so these guidelines, finally, guys, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. Um, you should do at least 150 to 300 minutes of moderate intensity aerobic activity, aerobic physical activity, I should say, or at least 75 to 150 minutes of vigorous intensity aerobic physical activity, or an equivalent combination of moderate and vigorous intensity activity throughout the week. Should also do muscle strengthening activities at a moderate or greater intensity that involve all major muscle groups on two or more days a week, as these will provide additional health benefits. May increase moderate intensity aerobic physical activity to more than 300 minutes, or do more than 150 minutes of vigorous intensity aerobic physical activity, or an equivalent combination of moderate and vigorous intensity activity throughout the week for additional health benefits. So basically, saying you could do more than the minimum they said to get to I get better benefits. Say basically, CrossFit, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they basically just do more to get better to get fitter, which is normal. That's standard. Steady yeah. state canoeing followed by high intensity running up the stairs. <laughs> and setting up some scaffold. <laughs> Next bit, this is actually quite relevant to the episode title, should limit the amount of time spent being sedentary, replacing sedentary time with physical activity of any intensity, including light intensity, which provides health benefits and to help reduce the detrimental effects of high levels of sedentary behaviour on health. All adults and older adults should aim to do more than the recommended levels of moderate to vigorous intensity physical activity. So... Just to clarify on that last point there, because I'm aware that was just absolute word salad. Um, if you are someone who's a high level of sedentary, so maybe similar as Tom mentioned, someone who sits at a desk all day long, they're basically suggesting that you should aim to do more than the recommended levels, um, which was the 150 to 300 minutes of moderate intensity activity or the 75 to 150 of vigorous intensity. They're saying you should do more than that if you are someone who is uh, does a lot of sedentary activity, but someone basically sits at a desk all day. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. hopefully that all made sense. Um, a lot, funny lot enough, just there. to kind of add on to that, uh, there was a paper called Inactivity Induces Resistances to the Metabolic Benefits Following Acute Exercise. So there's this whole thing about, well, look, if you're sedentary throughout most of the day, can you kind of like outwork the negative effects by just mm. smashing out an hour of exercise? Uh, and this paper concluded, in people who are physically inactive and sitting for a majority of the day, a one-hour bout of vigorous exercise failed to improve lipid, glucose, and insulin metabolism measured the next day. It seems that something inherent to inactivity and or prolonged sitting makes the body resistant to the one hour of exercise, preventing a normally derived metabolic improvements following exercise. Um, however, I think it... See, evidence is evidence at the end of the day, mm. but I don't really like what that kind of means. My bias is straight away says, well, to me, that kind of almost... Says, what's the point? Almost, yeah, It almost like says, what's the point? And I don't think that's the case at all. No. Evidence is evidence at the end of the day. But I would still recommend that, look, if you do sit throughout most of the day and all you can do is just go and run... Because I think they had them like run on a treadmill for an hour or walk on a treadmill for an hour. It was something to do with a treadmill for an hour. <laughs> if that's all you can do, then please do it. Yeah, yeah. Plus, they're only looking at certain markers there. They're not looking at everything to do with act physical activity. There's other benefits that come with doing physical activity and there could be a knock-on yeah. effect. So, I mean, as Tom said, evidence is evidence, but I don't like the absolute nature of basically saying it's not going to do anything. <laughs> yeah. Go, go yeah, and do 100%. some activity. As Tom said, if you are someone who has high levels of sedentary behaviour, we are going to give you some points at the end. Tom's going to give you some sort of action points to maybe help that. If you are someone who's sitting a lot, we can, we can tackle that. There's no reason for you to basically be sitting all day and do nothing. 
essentially okay, yeah we can get around that i mean i know we said we're going to kind of like find some more applicable bits later but another thing to consider if you are sedentary is consider exercise snacks which is a nice little term not everyone can go and spend an hour and a half in the gym or go for an hour run there's no reason why you can't do little exercise snacks which is like little mini five ten minute bounce of activity when you can yeah. during covid i remember i was uh literally doing toe taps for like two minute periods because i was unable to leave the house mm-hmm. but uh yeah little exercise snacks literally anything is better than nothing i just want to emphasize on a point we've made a few times now in that is reference body composition um and i want to say we kind of alluded to earlier the way you look is not basically doesn't it's not necessarily representation of your overall health okay yeah. so if you're someone who's not quite saying it doesn't slim, matter doesn't matter we're not saying that but if you're someone who's yeah. quite <laughs> slim and you're hearing all this stuff here uh, you know, potentially what we're going to kind of go into, you could potentially benefit from these guidelines. Even if you think you're healthy, you maybe eat a really good, well-balanced diet. You could say, you know, you, you, don't, you don't do really any activity. doesn't necessarily mean you're yeah. healthy. Okay. You could benefit from meeting these guidelines. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say probably. I'd say you would benefit yeah, from meeting at good least, benefit. at least a minimum. Just be careful, mate. Only, uh, only SIFs dealing absolutes. Okay. Oh, fuck. You've been watching that Obi-Wan, innit? I've still got to watch the third episode, actually. Yeah. I've only seen the first two. Yeah. I haven't caught up on Mandalorian yet, so... Uh, oh, have you not? I'm well okay. behind. Oh, dear. Um, I've got a spoiler for you, though. Don't... What do you mean you've got a spoiler for me? Don't spoil I'm spoilers. sorry, Bill, but I've seen all the Star Wars films, and I'm afraid to inform you that Obi-Wan eventually does die. <laughs> oh, no. What a shame, mate. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he comes back as a very spooky ghost. And he's all like, oh, fucking hell, Luke, look at me, I'm a ghost, mate. And that's exactly how he speaks. <laughs> that how Obi- Do you imagine if Obi- yeah. Do you know that's actually how a- Alec Guinness? Alec Guinness, the actor, just came out of nowhere and started speaking like that. Well, that's what he does. There's a, a bit in the second film where he first cut... It's actually... Well, I think it's a deleted scene, but I've seen it somewhere. Um, he actually comes back as a ghost and he's like, fucking hell, look at the state of me. And he's looking at his hands like he can't believe it. <laughs> like, well, fucking yeah. hell, mate. It's very Zen Jedi. It's a very Zen Jedi. Yeah. He's, he's oh, a copy in my version. How could we <laughs> Sorry, mate. I've thrown you off completely. Look at the state of me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Cockney Obi-Wan. Right. Okay. Who would actually play? Actually, we're scaling this track. I'm enjoying it. Who would, who would actually get to play if we actually had a Cockney to play Obi-Wan? Who would it be? Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, oh, it's got to be Danny Dyer, isn't it? Do you reckon? I was going to say Ray, Ray Winston. <laughs> uh, oh, God. Older Obi-Wan. Yeah, Obi- yes, yeah. Ray Winston. Ray Winston, yeah. Young, <laughs> younger Obi-Wan, definitely Danny Dyer. You know, he's on the death side. He's like, what the fuck have I got myself into? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there you this. go. Cockney Obi-Wan, eh? Wow. They missed out on a Brilliant. treat there. And then they can have a Scouse Star Fader. Oh, no. We're yeah. going there. We're going there. What did he say, then? Are you sure Are you sure you don't want to go there? Go go for it. What did he say? I tell you what, mate. Your lack of faith is very disturbing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not being funny nothing, mate. That's actually a really good accent, I thought. That's actually really good. Yeah, you normally do really... That's yeah, actually better than normal Mate, ones, yeah. mate, I'm not speaking... What, what do you mean by normal? What, my actual voice? No, your normal... Wow, you that's how it's better than Yeah, normally you do a Scouse accent. It's pretty poor, isn't it? That's actually quite good. Mm-mm. I mean, I'll tell you what I'll do. Uh, I'll just, like, for the next five episodes, I'll fully speak in a Scouse accent. So, how would, what would Luke's act? Hang on. So, if Obi-Wan is Cockney, 
What would what would Luke's be? I can't do a Geordie accent before you ask. <laughs> Is that what Luke's going to be a Geordie? Well, he's a bit clueless, like Geordies, isn't he? Oh no, you cannot be saying that. Oh god! <laughs> right, cue, cue musical interlude. We, we haven't had to uh, get the apology list out for a while, have we? No, we're going to keep it that yeah. way. But they wouldn't be able to read it anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, move on to the next part of the show. So we've given, you know, it's, it's all going to well us saying just move. We, we said people like to say just move more. We've given you all these guidelines, giving you potentially the benefits that will come with it and, you know, the, the problems that come with not doing this stuff. Um, so yeah. How do we go about this? Now, we're going to give our recommendations. I said we're going to go into quite a bit of detail on that, but uh, we're going to look at the NHS. Now, the NHS give their 10 pence on, you know, what activity links to them, uh, those intensity levels, because you, you, if you're aware, I said a few words there, moderate, intense, vigorous you know absolute buzzwords what do these mean because that's quite a subjective so, two of these did give me a giggle and you can <laughs> yeah, guess which one after you've listed them listen them off right so your look outlook on what uh, an example of a moderate intensity activity could be anything okay it depends on you as an individual but the nhs has said that moderate intensity activities include brisk walking water aerobics riding a bike dancing Doubles tennis, not just singles, but doubles tennis. It's got to be doubles, very specific. Okay, it's got to be doubles, yeah. Pushing a lawnmower. Which, to be fair, if you've ever done any kind of yeah, sled hard. work or prowler work, yeah, yeah. it's fucking it's, hard. If yeah, you, it's tough. If you've got a garden, you know what I'm on about. Yeah, yeah. Fucking rough it's work. Tough, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, hiking and then rollerblading. That's the one. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I thought it would be yeah. that one, yeah. But you know what? There's actually... So my place of work, my gym, there is a B&M and an Audi just across from us with their own car park. There's been a couple of mornings where, you know, this is like 5.30 a.m. I've been walking through that car park to work and I've seen a man in denim shorts doing moonwalks and rollerblades on a few occasions. That's incredible. It oh, is when incredible. you say that, no, you say, I, I, was in, um, I, was, I was in Putney uh, the other weekend and there was literally, we were in some spoons on the river and we looked out and there was some old guy just did rollerblade on his own. On his own, he had headphones in. He was just dancing around in the middle. And like, just in the middle. Everyone was looking at him like, what is going on? He was loving life. He didn't care what anyone thought of him. Just Do you know around. what? I'm not even going to take the piss. I'm going to say he's meeting the moderate to intensity physical guidelines. Crack on. I reckon he's seen this. He's gone, you know what? Fuck you lot. You normally he's looking at me. I am, I am meeting guidelines. I am excelling yeah. at life. Yeah. If that's what they want to do, crack on with it. Honest to God, I'm not even taking the piss. I was yeah. just buzzing how happy he looks. Just he had his little jeans on, his little hoodie, just <laughs> dancing around. Also, in London, it's better to be fucking rollerblading than using those shitty e-scooters. Oh, so double points. Yeah. yeah, bonus points there. Um, so that's that's what they class as moderate intense activity. If we then look at their examples of vigorous activities, it includes running, swimming, riding a bike fast, which is obviously you know subjective, <laughs> or on hills. Um, not on hills in like high hills, I mean like up and down inclines. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That'd be quite difficult riding a bike with hills. Um, walking up the stairs. So this is something we spoke about earlier, Tom. Walking up the stairs apparently is a vigorous activity. Yep. 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 So it depends on the steepness of the stairs you, and how I many stairs. i tell you what, um, at my gym there are two stairmasters. I've been on one of them. I was only on it once. They're I've hard, I've been mate. on it again since. They're it hard, aren't horrible. They? Yeah. I went on it thinking I'm going to be on here for half hour. After five minutes, I was fucked. I felt like I just <laughs> smashed like a, a hill tab. It was horrendous. <laughs> Love it. Brilliant. Yeah. We've then got sports. So things like football, rugby, netball and hockey. Uh, skipping, mm-hmm. aerobics, 
gymnastics and martial arts. So that's what they class as vigorous activities. We then go to yep. very vigorous. So these are like, you know, your top end extreme send it sports, as we call them. Um, we've got lift, he- lifting heavy weights, circuit training, sprinting up hills now, where are we? Interval running, running upstairs, spinning classes. So basically CrossFit. Yep. Um, basically what this for me like. it was the running upstairs just because but there's nothing actually wrong with that but it was just really yeah. interesting they added that on there but to mm. be honest with you when I you know all jokes aside when I stopped using it as like a, a humour point some people have access to stairs yeah yeah exactly you could easily do a good workout on your stairs at home run up and down yeah, your stairs yeah I mean oh, you if you up. do like lunges up your stairs it's bloody it's killer it is killer you know, going up and down your stairs, making like a like an interval out of it, it's, it's something you can implement at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah. But thing is, like those guidelines there, they've given you a lot of options. Yeah. They've given you a lot of options. Unlike, you know, the social media scape of the fitness world where it's like my way or the highway, these guidelines are giving you a lot of options there to choose. Yeah, from. loads of options. Yeah, lo- lo- you can find something you enjoy there. Uh, I mean, talking of stairs, Tom, I just thought of a really great workout. I think we should try it, mate. Do you want to know a workout no. you can do with your stairs? Ha- it's not handstand walks upstairs, is it? Oh, actually, I might add that in now. That's, this could be the RX Plus version. Oh, no, God. Ten, 10 stair sprints, but 10 air squats at the bottom of the stairs each time. Oh, that would be, that'd say, be, that'd be tough, that. No, I thought he was going to say air squat off the top of the stairs. Down to the bottom. No. But you're right, it's, I reckon that'd be quite hard, mate, tricks. because when you get to about when you get about halfway and your legs are a bit pumped, you do ten air squats and you've got to try and spread up your stairs, that'd be quite challenging. Your legs be oh, a little God, bit yeah. tired, don't they? Yeah. I mean my neighbours won't appreciate it, but yeah. Ah, fuck them, mate. You're doing the activity guidelines. Um but do you know what? In places like the US, etc., where you kind of got these big open stadiums, it is a popular thing. Mm, steroid. Where people go running in the stadiums and go up and down the stairs, etc. Yeah, it's tough. You know, can't really do that in the UK because you'll get shot by police. But, you know, there are places like where people will go running in stadiums and, uh, yeah, run up and down stairs. I love, I love the way you said, like, in the States, that, 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 you know, oh, yeah, they do it, it's fine. But in, apparently in the UK, you're more likely to get shot, yeah? is that, is that yes, are you sure about that? exactly. Yeah, well, yeah, if you ain't got your running, if you ain't got your running licence, you know, you'll get shot. Get running uh, licence. Uh, do you know what, as well, like, obviously why the most obvious and accessible movements there was also walking um just a little fun thing that i read a while ago was that and once again this is something that is apparently more prevalent in the us but since i read up on this article i have noticed it in the uk as well but you get something called uh, and it sounds like um something out of dawn of the dead but you get something called mall walkers mm, i've heard of this yeah i think we might have actually spoke about this on the podcast before but you know, especially for like the elderly, etc., where there's a bit more of a barrier to, you know, getting out and about. Like you get people who just walk up and down malls, like not window shopping, literally just walking, yeah, walking up, up and, and down, down shopping centres. But the reason being is that one, they're in like a nice warm environment. You know, it's well lit. It's surrounded by people as well. You know, so if something was to happen, like if you had a fall, etc., you've usually got a first aider nearby. Because you know it's you get security, etc. Uh, there's places to sit down, such as benches. It's there's places to get a drink if you need a drink afterwards. Uh, and I thought that was actually quite a nice little thing. Actually, it was quite sweet. If you actually think of like shopping malls, I feel if you're in like the UK, you got things like I don't know, Blue Water, Westfields, and London and stuff. They're massive. Yeah. You walk around those; they're huge, and it takes away that as we've spoke about before, a barrier to walking. Sometimes is the safety aspect of going in an area, which yes, is maybe a little bit exactly you know, that. So a shopping centre, great, safe. It's a safe place to go. So yeah. I can see why people do it for sure. 
But once again, like this is just kind of going into like the little extra things of activity that people could do of all ages, all genders, etc. Uh, disabilities, no disabilities, you know. There's such a broad range of activities you can add on to each one of those activities already listed. I think as we're touching on walking, it makes sense to kind of talk about this whole 10,000 steps a day thing. Now, yeah. we spoke about this thing before. I did, I did a video on it on, a, on the Train Primer YouTube, but it's all boils around this whole number of 10,000 steps a day. Uh, and it's always a number of people say, and actually, I actually know PTs who, who make it their clients non-negotiable yes. to do 10,000 steps a day. Same. It's, like, it's like, okay, right. Um, and when you, if you're going to do steps a day, you're going to do daily walking. The key really is consistency. Uh, and as we'll come on to, 10,000 is a lot to be consistent with every day. That takes yeah. a long time to do. It's not something you can do in like 10 minutes. You know, it could take you like an hour plus to do that. Can I just preface this by saying that there's nothing inherently wrong with doing 10,000 steps? You know, and if you do want to do it, crack on. But as you're about to say, it's not the be a Wendell. No, I mean, if we look at some actual data on this then, so this is actually a bit of data I looked at in my video, uh, and what this kind of said was that the dose between the number of steps um, and the health benefits is not linear, okay? So basically, as you go up your steps, the increase in health benefits is not exactly the same, like the percentage increase. So basically, on this paper, between 0 and 7,500 steps, the risk reduction was sharp. So it was an 8.5% average risk reduction for every 1,000 steps. After 7,500, the incremental improvement starts to be marginal, so it dropped to 2% yeah. average risk reduction every 1,000 steps. Uh, so basically what they concluded was was that 7,500 steps was that turning point um, in terms of yeah. where the shape of the relationship changes, which mm. means that you're getting quite a sharp... Um, improvement. You're getting, yeah, you're getting quite a sharp risk reduction in that 0 to 7,500. So really, even 1,000 steps a day, is nearly 10% yeah. um, reduction, risk reduction. So that's great. Um, but you still get people with that 10,000. Then, Tom, you also fired over another paper, didn't you, of daily step count and all-cause mortality, a dose-response meta-analysis of prospective cohort studies. That's the most recent one. And that's actually taken uh, the industry by storm a little bit. Yeah. Because it has blown the kind of this whole 10,000 thing. What, what, are the, what are the sort of things they were saying? Well, pretty much the same thing is that you'll get most of the health benefits that kind of like around the... 7,500, like 7,500 steps, you know, 8,000 steps. Between the sweet spot for getting the most health benefits seems to roughly, and I said roughly because I've not got the paper at hand right now, but roughly between like 7,000 steps to 12,000, I think it is. And then after that, as I said, there's nothing inherently bad about doing more than 12,000. It can be a bit more stress, you know, but there's this whole thing about... See, I've got no major issue with a 10,000 step count thing. It's a nice round number. But I think we have, it has got to the point where we put in a lot of people's heads where it's like, oh, 10,000 or nothing. Mm -hmm. If you can't do 10,000 steps, what is the point of even going out? You can only manage 8,000 steps. Oh, there's no point doing it because that's not 10,000. 10,000 is not a magic number. You can gain massive improvements of health. With less by getting up to 8,000 steps, yeah, you know, yeah. which I think is doable for a lot of us. Even a couple of thousand steps will get you, you know, get you what's yeah. that? nearly 20%, nearly a 20% improvement just from doing, you know, 2,500 steps, yeah. for example, which won't take you long to do. I mean, if you are somebody who likes walking and you want to do 10,000 plus steps a day, yeah, go for it. But it's when you've got the, the narrative of you must do 10,000, and there's someone yeah. out there who has got very limited time in their day as it is, and now they're having to trudge outside 
late at night go for a walk because they think it's going to save their lives. And then they've got it in their mindset, well, I don't think I can get to 10,000 steps today. I haven't got the time, so I might as well not do anything at yeah, all. and then they get and stressed. That's not they, the case. Yeah, and, but you get yeah. people who get really fixated on this number and they get really upset at themselves and down and they get this little, this mental spiral of, oh, I've let myself down, I'm a failure, I'm, I'm not succeeding because I didn't get my 10,000 steps there. It's like, no, don't worry about it. It's fine. It's like that mindset of, oh, like it's all or nothing. Yeah. If I can't get to that mm. 10,000 digit there's no point in going out at all. And that's not the case yeah, at all. Exactly. Even if you can do 5,000 steps, that is still a major Teach. difference to doing fuck all, basically. Yeah. Do you actually know where this uh, 10,000 steps day comes from? Have you actually seen where it comes from? Yeah, it was a Japanese company. Yeah, yeah. So it was a Yamasa clock in Japan. It was a pedometer. Yeah sold in 1965 and it was called a Man- Mampo Key and that actually translates to what do you think it translates to Tom? <laughs> Big Dick Energy <laughs> What the fuck? I was not expecting to say that <laughs> um, Well no it actually translates to 10,000 steps metre so, Oh that makes a lot more sense than what yeah, I that said does make a lot of, That makes a lot more sense than what you said <laughs> but as you can see guys it's because of that basically well that's one of the reasons why people <laughs> think it is that they it was like a marketing thing you know, use our thing, get 10,000 steps. And people have got off of it. And as Tom said, it's a nice round number. So yeah, people can market it in a really fancy way. Yeah, exactly. It was just, a, yeah, exactly that, a nice big round number. Okay. It seems weird to say, to call a product 8,000 steps. Yeah. Doesn't it? Does it just it, doesn't seem... Mm. Can you imagine calling a product 7,500 steps or 12,500 steps? It's not got that ring to it. 10,000, you know, whole different story. Um, something as well that I completely forgot about until now, but there there is actually evidence out there. God forbid me saying this because now I've actually got to go out there and find it for our show notes afterwards. Um, but there was evidence out there where they kind of seen like the average time it takes for a person to kind of walk, and they did find like uh, doing the average person two thousand steps. It's like twenty minutes. 20 minutes for the average, Ben, I'm saying average bill. It's not me and you, you know, speed walking. Um, yeah, the average person, it's like 20 minutes for 2,000 steps. So let's go back to those activity guidelines, right? Consider the following if, like, for seven days, for a whole week, you went out and did a 20 minutes of walking, 20 day. minute walk. That's 140 minutes of what moderate activity. Yeah. You know, that's very near to the bare minimum they're asking for. And that's just 2,000 steps a day. And you could pair that with a little bit of training, training. training. Yeah, yeah. You know, or simply more steps. More steps, yeah. You know, it's not, if you go that out shows for, you really, what, what would you have to do then probably? If you, if we said to someone now, do 2,500 steps a day, that's, that I reckon that's achievable for a lot of people to do 2,500 2, steps a day. And we're talking like all in one go as well. Yeah, all in one go, yeah. Not just like, I'll sit down, walk up the garden, sit down again, walk up. I'm not saying don't do that because, you know, motion is lotion but we're talking about to actually reap the benefits of this physical activity uh but yeah let's say 2500 yeah steps let's say it's going to be what like i can't do the math bill 20 what five minutes i, I generally cannot do the it's five, math. five five minutes isn't it? 25 minutes yeah oh, yes yeah, so it'd be 25 minutes yeah there you go 175 if you do that every yeah. day you yeah know, that's 175 yeah, activity per week. You're hitting, yeah. As long as you make the walk, you know, fairly, fairly brisk, I'd say. You know, don't make it a, a sl- you know, a sl- little bimble, but yeah. make it fairly brisk, and you'll be, you'll be fine. So you don't have to think, you don't have to go out for an hour plus, basically, is what we're saying, uh, to get the benefits yeah. of those steps. Well, that, yeah. ah, that's another thing with the whole 10,000 steps thing. A lot of people thought that 
it was something that had to kind of get over and done with in one go. Yeah, yeah. So if it's taking someone 20 minutes on average to walk 2,000 steps, <laughs> do you see where I'm going with this now? <laughs> like That's a, a lot of time. Pe- to- if people do want to do that, crack on with it and good luck to you. But there's a lower barrier you can do to get into exercise. Mm-hmm. You know, you ain't got to dramatically change your life by straight away, boom, going to 10,000 steps. You know, there's a, there's, a, there's a lower entry level you can do to dramatically improve your physical activity. So what I'll do now is, guys, we're going to give you some of our, our advice, essentially, so a little bit more from us. Uh, and I think we'll start, Tom, is, is start small, i.e. not all at yeah. once. I think a lot of people, when they get into this, like, whole notion of increasing their activity levels people get a bit excited and they want to do everything and they want to go to the gym yeah. five seven days a week they want to smash they want to use all the machines they want to do every activity under the sun uh and normally what this leads to it either leads to an injury because you're doing too much too soon yeah or it leads to you getting burnt out so you, you the lack of enjoyment because no one enjoys being burnt out so they get burnt out and you never stop doing it and you're not consistent yeah. so i would say start small find something you know a little Something tiny, something you enjoy, and just dip your toe in. Have a little go. A couple of times a yeah. week, maybe. I mean, just to, like, clarify, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, like, you know, you shouldn't try everything. I mean, feel free to try Yeah, but not all at once. Stuff. Yeah, but not all at once. Like. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, just, just so you can see what you kind of like. Yeah, what you like. And yeah. what you enjoy. Mm-hmm. And then say, okay, do you know what? I've tried 10 things here. But these are the three, four, five that I really enjoy. Here. These are the things that I think is going to keep me coming to the gym. Or this is the activity that I think I can do more often. Um, I mean, I know people who don't like going to the gym, but they like doing Zoom classes or they like doing, do you know what? People take the piss, but things like those glow stick workouts, you know, on the webcam. Yeah, there's actually glow. There's actually glow stick fitness, you know, classes you can do online. Um, if they enjoy it, yeah, happy days, that. crack on, go for it. If you go to gym and yeah, you try ten different machines, you know, I mean, as long as you're not going overboard in regards to what you're doing, but yeah, just try different things, see what you like, and then maybe decide on out of those like what five you're going to kind of do, you know, and stick to those. I think that links to another point I, I like to make is that. You said, yeah, find something you enjoy. And also important is find something you can be consistent with. Let's say yes. you find something you really enjoy. I don't know. You like doing hiking, for example, yeah? But if you can't stay yeah. consistent with it because you can't get out to the way you hike every week, you can only go out maybe once a month, that's yeah. probably not a good thing to go for because, yeah, you enjoy it. But if you can't be consistent in doing it, then it's not really going to get you those health benefits you want. So you need to find something that you both enjoy and something yeah. you can consistently do week in, week out, basically. Joe, that's actually a really good point. Uh, that has actually led on to conversations I have had with clients, both past and present, where they've become too attached to a very specific mode of movement, mm. which I, I don't really have a problem with if you've got a very specific attachment to a certain exercise, happy days. But if it's like something where if the weather changes, you and your activity is mostly outdoors, you can't do it, have like a bit of a backup in mind as well. Same thing for, so we just talk about specific exercises in the gym. If someone only wants to bench, it's like, okay, but what if the bench press is busy and then there's like a 10-person queue waiting to get on it? Always be willing to kind of have like a backup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have a backup. Of course, I'm talking about just general general physical health. I'm not talking about specific goals like increasing your deadlift, etc. Because at that case, obviously, you do want to just deadlift. Yeah, we just want gen- general health, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would try and like experiment and get into a whole different wide range of activities 
You'll always have that one activity that you will love more than anything. And happy days, that's awesome. But try and meddle in a couple of activities. And this kind of goes in hand with the guidelines once again, because it's not just about cardiovascular activities. It is about resistance training as well. So try and do something which you can do cardio-wise, whether it be walking, rollerblading, going upstairs, whatever it is. But resistance training is something that I think has kind of fallen out of favour when people think about, oh, what are activity guidelines to stay healthy? Particularly as we get older and, yeah, sarcopenia and stuff like that does kind of kick in, you know, when we do tend to lose tendon stiff tendon stiffness. Um, I mean, running is great, you know, stiffening your tendons, etc. You know, running is great, but I would still recommend some form of resistance training. And this is where I find that potentially as well, finding a community, finding like some... Yes. When it comes to things like this, because it will, it will allow you to enjoy it more because you're doing something with other people who share a common goal with you. So you're kind of doing achieving things together and it will allow you to be more consistent potentially because you've kind of almost got that accountability and you've got the motivation to want to turn up if you're within this yeah. sort of community when it comes. I mean, that's obviously, you know, my bias is CrossFit and that is something why CrossFit yeah. gyms do quite well is because they build a community of members and everyone is going there with that same goal. Um, and yeah, it normally gets people there. I mean, the amount of people who go there once they go once, they're unsure. And the next, you know, they're, they're there five times. I mean, sometimes some of them turn up and they end up doing too much too soon. Um, I do say <laughs> they'll turn up and yeah. like, you know, they're brand new. They're there like six days a week. You're like, I mean, I probably wouldn't do six days a week, mate, but you know, you're paying the membership, do what you want. But it's kind of like, yeah, this that just shows you the power of it because it makes people want to show up because of that community. Same with like runners. Like Tom said, the mall walkers. Mall walkers, not normally an individual. There's normally like a little group of them, isn't there? Doing a little walk through yeah. the mall and stuff. The power of a so. I yeah, think they even circle. mentioned the power of like the social aspect in that rose paper we was talking about earlier, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, the social part of it could be a massive benefit, mm-hmm. a massive benefit. Having that social circle does kind of help. Um, but the thing is as well, this kind of goes in line with like how we approach things with this podcast in general. And that is, this is another reason why I have such a disdain for people with nocebic language or nocebic narratives where people demonize certain exercises or certain postures or certain methods of training or, you know, former technique is going to injure, etc. I mean, from what we listed with those stats earlier about participation in physical activity, where it be resistance training or aerobic training, it is extremely shocking how low those numbers are. We are desperately, desperately trying to encourage people to move. So we need to stop placing these artificial barriers. Mm-hmm. We need to. Um, if you're a personal trainer and you're listening to this, a coach, a nutritionist, a doctor, we have to try our best to get rid of these artificial barriers. And particularly if you are a wannabe fucking social media influencer or whatever, we've got to stop shaming particular exercises or particular methods of training such as CrossFit, you know, or spinning or more walking, if someone wants to walk in a shopping centre, or if someone wants to drive all the way from their house to the gym to walk on the treadmill, and you're in that mindset, it's like, oh, this is perfect, they should be walking on the street. It's like, mind your own fucking business. We're desperately trying to get people to move. And that's the thing is that, you know, if you're one of these people where you're trying to improve your physical activity, one of the best pieces of advice I could give you is fuck what anyone else thinks. Yeah, yeah. If it gets you moving and you enjoy doing what you like doing, crack on. It's your healthy end of the day, isn't it? That person's opinion of yeah. you is not is not the thing that's going to stop you having a better quality of life when you're older. 
you doing yeah. what you're doing is going to improve your quality of life. Them thinking that you're not, them having a different opinion of you is not going to have any impact on that at all. Their opinion means yeah. nothing to your overall health uh, when you're when you're older and stuff. So we want you to walk. We want you to you know run. We want you to swim. We want you to pick up heavy fins and put them down again. You know, we want you to do whatever it is that builds that self-efficacy. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. exactly it's that, that. self-efficacy. Um, but another thing as well, because we were talking about like in relation to pain earlier as well, and we have actually got, so even though we were talking earlier on about how there's some evidence to suggest that from a metabolic context, you can't offset, you know, the detriments of health in regards to just doing like an hour exercise after sitting for most of the day. When it comes to things like aches and pains and discomfort, etc., actually, it turns out you can offset it. And uh, there is a paper that we will kind of link in the show notes for this, and it's dose response of resistance training for neck and shoulder pain relief and workplace intervention. And uh, basically, they conclude that daily bouts of specific high-intensity resistance training of the shoulder and neck region at the workplace reduced neck and shoulder pain and improved quality of life of office workers. However, and this is pretty cool, actually, 10-minute bouts were equally as effective as two sets of 10-minute bouts per day. The authors recommend office workers to perform daily neck and shoulder resistance training to possibly prevent and or decrease pain in the neck and shoulder area. And when you kind of look at the study, the exercises they were doing was just like a tubey grip, just a resistance band. It was just things like, you know, like shoulder flies and upright rows, really basic movements. And that's awesome to know if you're at a desk, sat down eight hours a day, just simply kind of getting up, moving about for 10 minutes, just doing a little bit of like putting on a resistance band can, you know, it, it can give you some benefit. It can give you some benefit. I want to go back to a point you said earlier as well, Tom, about not caring what other people think in regards to improving health because the stuff you said there, there'll be people listening who maybe work in an office and they'll be scared to pull out these things in an office environment. Yes. They'll be like, oh, what's what's my colleague Karen going to think? You know, what's my colleague, oh, Dave's giving me a look. He thinks I'm a fucking idiot. Who gives a and fuck what they think? And you will get comments. You will get comments. People will, they'll probably make, you know, you'll get the, the office joke and be like, oh, you're a fucking, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, you know, I'm all right. They'll be sitting there with the Greg's pasty and they're fucking, you know, whatever, and they'll be, you know, taking the piss out of you. But it, you're doing this for your and, own health, so don't you worry know, about it. The most appropriate thing you can say to Dave when he makes a comment like that is say, um, well, I, I plan on strangling you, you cunt. <laughs> I mean, that might <laughs> that's be That's why I pulled it out. <laughs> yeah, that's why you pulled it out, yeah. But no, like, joke, jokes aside, like, you are going to get comments and you, you maybe you are someone who does care deeply about what other people think about you, but don't. Get these bands out. Get these little tubes out. Do something when yeah. you get a bit of time and you're by your desk. You know, why not? At the end of the day, you'll be the one who will be better off for it overall. So. Motion is lotion, rest is rust. Love it. Buzzword central. There you Brilliant. go. Brilliant. Yeah. But basically, to sum it up, pick a movement you enjoy and don't worry about what anyone else thinks. In regards to those guidelines, if it's moderate activity, try and do a minimum of 150 minutes per week. If it's vigorous, 75 minutes per week. Yeah. Something I also want to add as well, some, some advice from us. And this one is... We'll, we'll give you some context on it. I've actually just wrote down spend some money. Now, this is obviously not <laughs> for everybody, but the, re- the reason I say this is because something we spoke about this podcast for is something called buyer's bias and how when you buy things, you want it to work, you put more time into it, you'll use it more, okay? So let's say you buy something, it's cost you, like let's say you buy a massage gun for 200 quid, you will use it more because you've bought it. And this is the same with spending some money on your training, whether that's a gym membership or hiring a personal trainer or buying a program anything like that because you've spent money on it you're more likely to use it which is then hopefully going to make you more consistent in doing some activity because 
let's be honest, you can go on the internet now and you can find an abundance of free workouts. You can go on YouTube and find video after video. Because it's free, it's, it's something in our heads. We, it do, if you don't do it, you don't feel like you've lost anything. You know, you're not lost. Mm-hmm. You're not. There's nothing you've lost because you're not paid anything. You've just you've just decided not to do that workout. Whereas if you paid for that video or you paid for that workout, you'll be like, oh, well, I've actually spent money on this now. Especially if it's a lot of yeah. money, you might be like, okay, pff, this is a bit of a nightmare. Now, I'm fully aware not everyone's going to be in a position to do so, especially at the moment in the UK. You know, there's a cost of living crisis, for example. Not everyone's going to have. Uh, money to spend on the luxuries of extra we're guidance and training. Pelotons. We're all getting yeah, Pelotons. Yeah, I know, right? Government gifted Pelotons. Um, but if you're not able to do this, what I would suggest is trying to find a way of holding yourself accountable that's not basically financial. So we could be looking at things like Facebook groups where you all maybe just come together and say, look, guys, we're going to get this group. We're all going to go through this sort of this training together. We're all going to do um, a step thing. We're all going to do daily walking. And we're all going to like take a photo, for example, of our daily walk that day and get guys just done my 2,500 steps or whatever. And then that is another way of potentially keep yourself accountable. We could look at things like reminders. So get yourself on your phone, a little thing that goes off saying, right, do 10 air squats, do 10 push-ups. You know, just little if you have an Alexa. If you have an Alexa, yeah, it will scream at you. It will yeah. say, get, get the fuck up, you <laughs> do some yeah. fucking push-ups. Yeah. Any, that could actually work. That's actually a pretty good one. I used to have a chin-up bar in on the kitchen door frame uh, in my old place uh, that I used to live. Uh, don't know why I just didn't say my old house, but yeah, uh, I said that in a really weird way. And I used to have basically a rule where every time I'd walk into the kitchen, mm. I'd do a set of five pull-ups. Yeah, yeah. When I walked back out, another set of five. I can't do it now because I'm in an awkward house with a very awkward door I frame. I literally did that with, um, <laughs> before I joined the army. So when I first, obviously when I joined the army many years ago, it was still the PFAs. It was the push-ups, the sit-ups, and the mile and a half oh, run. Oh, yeah. So before I joined, what I was doing was I was doing a set of time. Every time I walked into a, into a different room, I would do a set of push-ups. Because I had to yeah. do, do max push-ups in two minutes as part of that test. So that felt, that was a really good way of holding myself. Obviously, it's, it's a bit of a habit-building exercise there. Because if you start to chin it off, then you just forget the whole, you just don't bother anymore. Yeah. If you force yourself to do it for that first you know, that first few times, it becomes a habit of, oh, I'm in another room now. Do some push-ups. Oh, do some squats. Do some pull-ups, whatever. Which kind of actually leads into behavior change a little bit. Yeah, but yeah, sure. You know, but once again, this is why it's important to keep on stressing that buzzword self-efficacy. The, the problem is with a lot of the physical guidelines is that people, PTs in particular, feel that they have to they have to convince you to do these things, or they have to force you to do these things. And that's not the the point of behavior change. Isn't to convince someone. Mm-hmm, yeah. It's not to convince someone. But it's to kind of like facilitate or don't get me wrong, you can educate someone. You can change their mind in the sense that, you know, they might have believed something before that might have not necessarily been true. But it's now been cleared up like, oh, shit, well, I thought running was bad for me. Turns out it's good for me. Joe, you know I might give that a try. So in that context, okay, like changing mind is all right. But it's not about trying to force someone to do something. Mm-hmm. It's about kind of changing people's beliefs rather than making them change does that make sense Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah. it's kind of more about like trying to facilitate them to get to do more kind of movement by you know making them kind of question their beliefs a little bit educating so that's what i'm hoping we kind of do with this episode is by making people realize oh okay i didn't know that um in regards to walking i ain't got to do ten thousand steps maybe i just need to do 20 minute walk every day rather than just getting hung up on ten thousand steps it's like i just go do 20 minute walk every day and if someone's capable of doing that you know we might have lowered the barrier to movement for them because they're no longer thinking fuck me where am i going to get an hour and a half go do ten thousand steps every day do you know what i mean 
someone might not be able to do that. They might not be able to go and do a 20 minute walk and that's fine. But we've kind of given you those guidelines where you've got a bit of wiggle room to what you can do with your activities. Maybe you can only go out three days a week, but maybe you can spend a bit more time so you can swim, etc. or go to the gym. So I hope most of that's been useful for you guys there. We've kind of trying to give you as much info as we can. But essentially, the idea of that last bit there was just trying to remo- remove some barriers and get you sort of thinking in a way of it's okay to be active. Think about, you have to, although the, the cliche thing is that you've got to look after number one. That is that cliche yeah. saying of you've got to look after yourself. You need to do, these guidelines are there to improve your health, okay? Yeah. Doing what you enjoy to improve your health according to those guidelines is what's going to help you in the long run. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. It doesn't matter what you yes. decide to do. Or if you go into the gym and decide to do, so you know you want to go to the weights area and there's some big intimidating figures there, forget them. They're there for someone else. They're not there to do what you're there to try and hit some guidelines to improve your health. You're not there to deadlift, you know, half a ton. So don't worry yeah. what they're doing. Keep yourself, you know, do what you need to do. But kind of repeating off of what I just said a moment ago, and that is with these guidelines, you do have wiggle room. The guidelines are not a very specific thing where it's like, no, no, you have to do this exercise or you have to do this particular training. There's loads of options. So you can say, okay, I have no intention of running the bike or I have no intention of running, but there's loads of other options. As long as you can somewhat try and meet the minimum minutes, you know, there's loads of options, loads of options. Guys, if you do need more guidance on this, if it's not been evident after the last two of this podcast, me and Tom are actually personal trainers at our core. So if you do need more advice shit, or we are, help we? on this, yeah, I know yeah, we are. I forget sometimes, don't we? We're not, we're not just podcasters chatting shit. We actually are personal trainers. Um, we've got a couple of things you can maybe explore into. I know, Tom, I'm not sure if it's actually out yet, but you were playing around with a beginner's template package. Technically, it is actually ready and I okay. can... If anyone wants it, between you and me, the listener... I'm talking to you on a personal level now, uh, John, Jane, and all the other optional names out there that you might be known as. Um, I can give you a free four-week template for resistance training. But that's between you and me because I've not actually released it on social media yet. That's just for you, the listener. God, Paul, this is some exclusive content. Or Diane. Oh my or whatever God, your that, name might be. Oh, Diane's a lot of names I don't. If I keep on that off names, I'll eventually hit someone that goes, oh, he's talking directly to me. Yeah, love it, love it. I'm a Peter, I'm a Peter or an Ellen. <laughs> Give me your template. But, uh, <laughs> Give it yeah, to so, me. Guys, honestly, I'd, I would definitely take advantage of that. I mean, our Instagrams are listed down in the show notes, so you can get in contact via that, or there's the email for the podcast. Drop us an email, we'll get you that template straight away. If you also need a bit of one-to-one guidance as well, I do online personal training. So obviously it depends on when you listen to this, but if I've got any availability or not. At the moment I do, as of Thursday, the 2nd of June. So if you do need any extra help, feel free to get in touch. If I'm not available, um, I've got a good team at trainprimal.com, which will be happy to to help me out on that. Of course, it's not going to be for everyone because it costs money, of course, but we are here to help if you do need it, uh, if you need a bit of extra guidance. And I just want to make something clear as well. Tom's approach is exactly the same. For us, it's all about self-efficacy. So don't think if you ever decide to work with any of us that you're going to be locked into a 45-year contract. <laughs> it's, um, it's very much of like work with a bit, get you on your way, give you the tools you need to go out and tackle the world of health and fitness on your own, basically. Why give you a fish for the day when I could give you the fishing net for the rest of your life? Oh God, so biblical, Tom. So biblical. I know, it's great, isn't it? But, um, or if you are financially strapped, basically what we're trying to tell you to do is uh, 75 minutes of running up and down the stairs a week. Yeah, yeah, that's All it. in one go, of course. Don't break it up, all in one go. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure minutes. though, 
make sure though it's 75 minutes don't do it for 74 or 76 uh yeah because things will go wrong things will explode yeah Yeah, exactly yeah Make sure you're wearing the right footwear as well, guys. If you're not wearing the right oh, footwear, yeah. yeah, you've got to wear you've got to and wear the, the special the belt as well, yeah. And a belt. And a I thought 150 what could we do for 150 minutes of moderate activity? Moderate activity. Well, what did the NHS yeah. say? We have those options there, don't we? Checking we over do... your car in the morning on a snowy morning. Your... Yeah. Walking around it, kicking the tires and going, yeah, that's good. I'm personally gonna roll a blade to the gym. Um and then I'm gonna do some water aerobics. Uh, and then I'm going to dance what? my way to with the... With the rollerblades uh, or... With the, with, with the rollerblades, yeah. Can you then do I'm aqua finish... rollerblading? I reckon you should I'm look at it. Should I Google it? Aqua rollerblading. It sounds like it could be a fin. Aqua it sounds like water. it could be a fin. <laughs> Bill, do you remember years ago there was a documentary where they was taking a young officer recruits through the British Army? Yes, and so, yeah, sounded, and, yeah. And there was a particular guy whose physical fitness was suffering at the time and they pretty much forced him to take on extra physical activities. And out of all the activities to pick, he chose polo on the on the horseback. Oh, I remember now. Yeah, he was on the glasses, wasn't he? Do you remember him? What's his yes, name? Yes, that's oh, it. Because he was going... Um, he I got in, like I can name he him. Got, <laughs> I know he, he, he got, did. He got through because he was household cavalry, wasn't he? Mate, officer material. Oh, there you go. Household cavalry yeah. material. Um, extra PT. <laughs> Does does I mean? Don't get me wrong. Like you've got to have some form of physical fitness to ride a horse. But mm. yeah, I mean, if your fitness is lacking and you go for horse riding, that's yeah. When when there's people in the army telling you you need to do more fizz, I don't think they meant horse <laughs> riding. Yeah, horse yeah. riding. Yeah. Or esports. Don't do any esports. So I just want a quick shout out. We've got a current. We've got a listener who is actually currently going through Sandhurst. Phoebe. I know she listens to the podcast. So. I'm not oh, sure if you've okay. got time to, not sure if you've got time to listen to the podcast at the moment, but if you are listening, hope it's going okay. Wait, is she actually is she actually in Sandhurst now? Yeah, she's right now. She's probably balls deep into a fire position. <laughs> oh mate. Do you know what? If she does find a Gerber torch somewhere <laughs> what, the in the hills area? of the training area, it's probably mine. And can you send me a DM? <laughs> I mean, this was years ago, but you know, that thirty quid is thirty quid at the end of the day. Yeah, cheers, baby. If you're, yeah. if you're out there, that if actually finding Tom's Gerbil will probably count as because it's on hills. We're probably looking at vigorous active. Actually, vigorous or is it very vigorous? No, actually, sp- if you sprint up the hills to find Tom's, if, Gerber if it's torch, the hills of Sandhurst, it's going to be very vigorous. Very vigorous. Yeah. So you're going to be you'll be smashing it there, Phoebe. So if you want to make sure you're meeting those I, guidelines, I uh, nearly had a cow step on my toe once in Sandhurst. Yeah, when on a patrol exercise. Yeah, and that is why the cows got taken out on the range. Exactly. What goes around comes around. Yeah, little fuckers to yeah. your toe. <laughs> Take that. The, the artillery's on them. Exactly. Yeah. Take that, <laughs> <God>. dick. <laughs> oh, dear. Well deserved. Anyway, off that little uh, tangent there. Basically, what I'm saying, guys, is hopefully the episode's giving you some help. But if it is all overwhelming, because I'm aware there's a lot going on there, as, as Tom's made it pretty clear in his, in his passionate speech earlier, we are tr- we're, tr- we're trying to remove these artificial barriers. So if you do need some help, please reach out. It's important that we do meet these guidelines. Okay, so let's let's do it together. Let's do it together. Yeah, but do something you enjoy and enjoy the process as well. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be a chore. Find something you enjoy. Find something that you actually look forward to doing. So definitely not CrossFit. And we'll leave it there. It's been a, it's been a, <laughs> been a pleasure as always, guys. Uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll see you on the next one. See you later. As always, thanks for listening. Guys, before you close your podcasting app, please leave us a little review or rating, uh, whatever you want. You know, if you enjoyed it, obviously five stars. If you thought it was crap, 
give us one stars, you know, it is what it is. But uh, yeah, before you jump off, please leave us a review, leave us a rating, as it really does help with the exposure of the podcast. We will see you next week, same time, same place, for a brand new episode. See you soon.